Uh, I think I started with White Claws and I ended with Bourbon. Oh, that's okay. the unsafe way to do it. You need to switch that order around or things will get dangerous. Seltzer before bourbon. You need to be learning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was, that was really... not going to stick. It's not going to stick. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, welcome to Icon or Wicon. This is the show where we break down our favorite film universes to see which stand the test of time. Uh, this is a very, very big day for us. I'm Andrew David Sotomayor, and I am here with the Senator Palpatine to my Count Dooku, Mr. C.J. LaRoche. Uh, Senator Palpatine to your Count Dooku, that means you don't make it to the end, Andrew. Listen, Ooh. not all of us are going to. Who is going to host this show next? That's the real, <laughs> that's the question. Oh, no, I'm so excited to be here. I, I, I love this movie. I love the movie we're going to talk about. There, I said it. There, I said it. Big news. What yeah. are we going to talk uh, about, CJ? Well, we're going to be talking about Star Wars, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, the finale of the Skywalker saga. Is it? I mean, it was. News. It was scheduled to be. And, Andrew, the other big news of the day is we, are, we have our first truly international guest. Oh! Right? Last, last, our last guest was uh, international, but I believe an American citizen. Absolutely an American citizen. We, no question about it. We have a, our first non-American joining us today, all the way from Vancouver, Canada, Ben Billado. Ben, introduce yourself and say hello. Hello, everybody. Uh, so excited to be on the show. Um, I was trying to think of who I would be in comparison to you guys, and I was like, I doubt it, but I would love to be the Mace Windu to your guys' Dooku and uh, Palpatine. I, th- okay. I think, you know what, the slot is open, Ben. It's here for you. Okay, great. Give yourself a hand, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's jump right in, because there's so much to talk about, and I think the first thing we should talk about is that this one doesn't suck at all. It doesn't suck. Nothing no. wrong with it. I, uh, I found no problems with it at all. No. That's, no. that's sarcasm. That's sarcasm. <laughs> I can't see his face, but that's sarcasm. Listen, though, this opening sequence, that opening shot is just spectacular. It's really, really beautiful. That actual battle at the very, very beginning of this movie. I mean, I don't think another Star Wars film hits the ground running that hard. No, there's everything in this opening shot but the kitchen sink. Actually... There's a kitchen sink. There is. Obi-Wan and Anacon, Anacon. <laughs> fly by, something hits that Star Destroyer. It's, it's a joke by the ILM guys, kitchen sink. No, it's great. It's continuous. It's a minute and 16 seconds of pure Clone War. I love it. That's, that's how you got to open a Star Wars movie. Just, you get to, they do the, the passing of one giant ship, iconic shot, and then throw 300 more ships there. <laughs> it was bonkers and and i always loved this movie but on this rewatch i was like i can respect that having seen so many more sci-fi extravaganzas since this came out i can really respect what that opening sequence achieved it was absolutely breathtaking it still had a sense of humor uh it really it really was born out of the title crawl in a very seamless way sure i also like the fact that it kind of really started to sow the seeds of anakin and obi-wan the the descent that that's coming when anakin is going to go help some clones obi-wan right away no we got our job they got their job you stick with me stop being a dick totally 
they had to make up for like a three-year war that happened between the movies, and they had did a pretty good job of showing how, where the characters are at now. In a way that they didn't really nail it in weird space noir Attack of the Clones beat cop <laughs> comedy that they did the last time. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna try to establish some character. We're gonna try to establish some character motivation, some character development. I think that on this one, George must have had some people saying, "Hey, George, come here, buddy. We got to do we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to have uh, like Yoda throwing lightsabers at people. Like we need to we need to just give the fans Star Wars." And this is the closest thing to the original trilogy and the the original feeling of the original trilogy trilogy that we get in the sequel in the sequel trilogy. Do you know well who they brought in? Tell me someone who uh, who George would listen to. They brought in Steven Spielberg to to tell him what to do. Very good. I knew it. It had to be somebody that he trusted. And also notoriously absent is his co-writer from Attack of the Clones. Oh, thankfully absent is what we'll say. Yeah. <laughs> still, still some cringy love dialogue uh, with Anakin and Padme there at the top of the film, but for the most part, I would give this thing—I would give this thing like a B minus as far as writing goes. So uh, it's—it I'm, I'm, it is interesting to hear that Spielberg was involved. Somebody had to be. I'm really happy you brought up Anakin and Padme though, because it's not just at the top of the film that their dialogue is terrible. Like that's. Ooh. That's a constant. Like I could literally, if I was in season four of Lost and I could not find my way back to Penny, I would literally use that shitty dialogue as something that we have in common to like reset my clock. Like two things you can count on with Padme in this movie. The dialogue with Anakin being shit and her curls are on point. Oh, oh yes, her, curls. her style throughout this whole trilogy. We talked about it last time. I mean, she, she nails it even all the way down to her funeral. Like how much hair does she have in that thing with her? It's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. so beautiful. In the the layers they put on uh, the sh- the movie, her hair like is nothing but symbols of what's going on in the universe. Every scene, they're like, I think things are kind of uh, dark and confused. Let's make her hairstyle dark and confused. Like <laughs> it is its it is its own character. Absolutely, and then and there's a deleted scene where they go to Palpatine to be like, Hey, stop being Palpatine, and she's got like full on predator dreadlocks. <laughs> So, you know, they may have cut that scene just because of the Predator dreadlocks. That's but weird. It totally goes along with what you're saying. And then when, when Liberty dies with thunderous applause, she's got that headpiece in and it's the Rebel, Rebel Alliance sigil. Yeah. So the great Rebel point, sigil. Ben. Great point, Ben. So I have a couple questions. Uh, I'll just rattle them off real quick. First one. Andrew has questions. He's rattling. Oh, I'm early. Too soon. Early. Too soon. Sorry, too soon. Too soon. Yeah. Oh, no. We'll get there. We'll Not get confused. there. So like... The tone of this moment at the beginning when Obi-Wan's like, Sith Lord are my specialty. That's weird, right? And in that moment, it, it came to me, what is the plan here? Like, so Palpatine got himself kidnapped so they would have to rescue him so he could get into a situation where he could encourage Anakin to kill Dooku. It's just too many things have to work for this plan to make sense. Am I crazy? Go. You're not crazy. Uh, Too many things have to work for this plan to make sense, but the plan makes sense. In that, as soon as Anakin and Obi-Wan get on that ship and Obi-Wan says, I sense a trap. No, there's no real trap that is clear and obvious to our eyes. However, the trap is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It is... Palpatine dispatching of Dooku, knowing that Anakin will be able to do it. 
knowing that he's going to go Anakin into using his darkness, using his rage, using his anger. So that actually makes sense to me. You know, there is a little bit of because Star Wars and because movie there, but I I see what you're saying, but I definitely think that it's okay. Ben? I I agree. And it's funny that you brought this moment up because as a, as a teenager, as a kid watching this movie, I always thought the trap was when they put the, the ray shields around them and general Grievous captures them. And it wasn't until this viewing that I was like, no, the trap was to bring Anakin to the dark side. I can't believe I didn't see that. So totally, it, it works. It's got so many ways it could go wrong, but it doesn't. So that's okay. Now, here's my thing, though. Just to play devil's advocate in this moment, what if it goes awry? Like, there are several moments where the three of them could have died. Yeah, no, there, that is a problem that, that Palpatine is going to put himself in a position where he could die. Right. So there is there is a little bit of like, oh, dude, come on, man. That This seems like a little bit elaborate for you to be doing that. You know, put yourself into a crashing starship, you know, but he is hoping that Anakin will just leave Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, leave him. There's no time. We'll never make it out alive if you don't. But, yeah, no, you're totally right there. It's 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 a little crazy, but Palpatine is a little crazy, man. I guess this brings me to my next question. Uh, can someone explain to me how gravity works on this ship? <laughs> uh, whenever the camera tilts, uh, gravity changes on the ship. I think that's what, uh, that's how they're designed. <laughs> okay. Because like, cause like if I'm looking at the ship, right. And the ship is floating through space because space is space. The gravity would have to be centered around what we've decided is the floor of this ship. Yes. That's right. So how come when the ship twists, and capsizes, they fall down like the Titanic. Shouldn't gravity just write them to the floor? You would think so. Um, but the sound in, that's happening outside is also affecting it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the crashing and the blowing up, like all of that sound definitely affects gravity. Spoiler alert, there's no sound in space. So. Mm-hmm. Also, something interesting that I noticed about this whole sequence, droids... Droids start to have reactions in this film. Comedic reactions. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's yeah, weird. Well, we, also have a, we also have a coughing robot. Yeah. Well, but he's, he, he, he's a hybrid. The cough was there to tell us that he's a hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. I assumed it's just like his, um, his metal exoskeleton was a little too tight and like was squeezing <laughs> his lungs. Mm. Well, there are several canon canon explanations for his cough. We won't get into because it's not in the movie. It's not in the movie, and you know how I feel oh, about that. We didn't bring this up. I think I may have uh, emailed it to you before. Like, I am also of the expanded lore, read all the books. It's all explained in the books, kind of person. So I'm going to be biting my tongue as well. You you know you don't have to bite your tongue consistently. It's not a rule. I think part of the magic of these moments is that I do not know the extended universe. So all I know is the films. And so I will argue to the death that it must be in the films, but I'm happy to take in the information that I don't yeah. know. One I was excited to bring up, cause it's not much of a, oh, it changes the, the lore. It's more just a, a cool feature. If you always wondered how uh, old bones Count Dooku could almost take on Obi-Wan and Anakin, it's cause Jedi don't train to take down other Jedi. Cause there's never been bad guys with lightsabers before whereas all count dooku's done in his whole training is prepare to fight other dudes with lightsabers and that's why he kicks their butts 
that's why he's so superior until he's not. Yeah, until he yeah. accidentally missteps. Until he's not. Yeah, he but Andrew, talk about the droid reactions. Yeah, yeah, back to that. The droid reactions. So I don't understand what their place is. I get it that we did that in Attack of the Clones with 3PO, but part of what happened in that moment was that 3PO, his head was on a droid body and couldn't control it because droid body controls the head, apparently, I guess, because rules, because movie. And then in this one, the droids actually have like personalities independent of themselves and kind of like scurry away when they're scared. Yeah, instead of just sitting there to get wiped out. And also that one droid loses his head. Yeah. And continues fighting. And continues fighting because the body controls the fighting. Controls the head. Hey, consistency. In the universe explanation, I have no idea. But in the movie, I think it was so important because comedy is one of the things that keeps this movie glued together. That's true. <laughs> That's the fabric of the stitching or the stitching of the fabric. The comedy is very important. All right. Another question for you guys. Yes, sir. So this movie, we're supposed to accept that Padme and Anakin have been secret lovers for some time. Yes. Yes. They're that's married. Right. Yeah. Oh, you guys, right. you guys, this is a terribly kept secret. Yeah. And also when he comes back from the, the big crash and he's the hero and they've killed Count Dooku and he runs to her and he hugs her and they embrace and they stay embraced. And then after a minute or so of that it, in wide open public spaces, no, not here. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's the nice. worst kept secret in the galaxy. Yeah. That they, they think they can hide behind a pillar and people won't notice a Senator and a Jedi hero making out like, yeah, I do like the filmmaking in this moment, though, however, because the, the whole room is very well lit. But there they are in this little bit of shadow. Shadow plays a, a big role in this movie. And I think that it's one of the, the real uh, solid factors in this film. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful shot. And the score is great. Oh, the score. This, he's outdone himself. Yeah. He's outdone himself. I mean, when, when we get to the end with the, the Obi-Wan Anakin theme, I'm calling it, where they're, you know, it's just coming apart at the seams and he uses the chorus again. I mean, he, John Williams is just the king man, man. It's beautiful. Did you guys notice that uh, on the balcony, Padme's brushing her curls with a cheese grater? <laughs> no. Yeah. no, it's like, it's like the ice cream maker in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, it's so weird. So here's the thing, Ben, I have very curly hair. So I'm looking at Padme's fierce curls. I'm in the process of trying to find the right product to like really, really moisturize them. It's, my hair is long right now. And so all I do is see curly hair when it's on screen. So I see these curls. I'm like, oh, my God, those curls look amazing. And then I see her with a brush. And I was like, she is not ratting those curls with that brush. And then the camera turns around and it's the cheese grater. And I was like, oh, she's just playing. She's just playing. Yeah, she's toy. just sort of toying with them, so to speak. Uh, we do have another misplaced prop later uh, in the Windu Sidious fight. Did you all notice that he's using Anakin's hilt? Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, there's an earlier draft in the script, apparently, where Anakin comes in and doesn't do what he does, but in fact throws his lightsaber to Palpatine after Palpatine gets disarmed. Uh, Yeah, check it out. It's when they're in the office. um, You know, once they go down the corridor, he's using Anakin's hilt, and they just left it or missed it. That's interesting. Because I knew that the original version was that Anakin watches the whole fight and it's like, a, do I help? Do I not help? I didn't realize that like, 
the gives him the lightsaber and everything. I didn't realize it was oh, that yeah. he helps. intense. He helps. Wow. That was a that that's a that's a really, really great moment. I actually love that sequence. For me, that's when the movie really pops off. There's a lot of stuff at the beginning and it's good and it's interesting and it's cool. Um, it doesn't really connect healthily to Attack of the Clones, but whatever. Right. From uh, I would say the movie takes a really, really strong turn at the Palpatine and the opera sequence. And then from the Mace Windu fight on, that thing yeah. is popped off. Yeah, well, the Palpatine and the opera sequence, that's the best scene in the whole prequel trilogy. And that's what I want more of, you know? I mean, when, when, you're, when I'm watching that scene and I'm thinking... Palpatine is talking about how he mastered the dark side and how he fucking killed his his leader. I, I want to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's again, the movie. Like, again, we have you know the, the 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 big problem with the prequels is it's just a lot of explanation and a lot of dialogue about a lot of really cool shit that I want to see instead of C-SPAN. That's super legit. I think the Darth Plagueis story. Is one of uh, hearing that sequence again. I remember loving that sequence so much the first time I saw it. I've watched it on YouTube a couple times while wasted because that's what I do in my spare time. And, and then and we should be commended for it. <laughs> we should be. And so, but when I watched it this time, I was both so moved by it. The acting's great. The dialogue and the setup is great. And what he's how he's using this story to give Anakin what he needs to hear is really awesome. One of my biggest regrets about it, it's a total missed opportunity. It so deliberately sets up the whole idea that Palpatine manipulated the midichlorians to create Anakin that got abandoned while they were shooting. And and it totally sets up so beautifully. Like he taught me all the ways of the force, but then his apprentice, or he taught his apprentice all the ways of the force and then got killed in his sleep. He could save everyone from death but himself. That sets up Palpatine's death at the end of Return of the Jedi. So sure does. Eh, that scene that is so beautiful and so necessary for the canon gets completely eviscerated by anything that happens in the sequel trilogy, and it hurt my feelings to see it again. Agreed. Totally agreed. So you took that as, as not setting up the sequel trilogy? I thought he was kind of saying, I have mastered death. You'll find out in three more movies. I took it as not effectively setting up the sequel trilogy, but I am part of the camp that truly feels that Palpatine was a last minute like thing that it wasn't earned for episode nine. Uh, yeah, uh, th- that's um, for more episodes from here. But yes, that was definitely it. Didn't <laughs> feel earned when suddenly he popped up and was like, "Surprise, it's me." That's a good point, Ben. You know, it does. It, it, it bringing Palpatine back is justified by that scene. However, I think Andrew's biggest problem with it, and, and my problem with it as well, is that we go through two movies not hearing about it. We're getting so far fucking ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but fine, we, though, go it's through, fine. we go through two movies not hearing about it, and then all of a sudden he drops in. That's, that's why I agree with that. That's why I think it's such a wasted opportunity for everybody at Disney. And I'm going to blame Ryan Johnson, and I can't wait for two episodes from now to truly drop the hammer on that motherfucker. <laughs> Yes, who is a great I, filmmaker who is a great filmmaker just did not make a good star wars movie you guys i like the last jedi i like but back the last to jedi. back to revenge of the sith <laughs> in any event uh that acting and that the whole sequence is really really cool and watching palpatine feed anakin's ego is great and that's something that stays great from this point on like the way he manipulates him is so effortless Oh, it's brilliant. And you know, the opera they're watching is called Squid, Squid Lake. 
It's a Mon Calamari production. <laughs> sure is. And I think it has, it has eight acts. It must, but it's, it's beautiful. Squid it's beautiful. So the CGI in this movie, because we're going to get into things like now, now that things are popping off, uh, we're having lightsaber battles with General Grievous. We're fighting with the clones. There's, there's a war on Kashyyyk. There's all these things happening. And we start to see a really high CGI quotient take over the filmmaking. Not all of it's great, but what's great is really, 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 really good. Absolutely. You bring up Kashyyyk, man. You know that big Wookiee uh, pile when they're all there and the one jumps over and raises, and then they all jump up. That's five actors. They shot five actors doing however many moves they did. They, they'd shoot them. They'd give them a different weapon. They'd shoot them. They give them a different weapon. So that's brilliantly done. Uh, you, you know, one thing that's not CGI in this film is, uh, when we get to Mustafar, all of that volcanic eruption, that's actual footage of Mount Etna in Italy. Wow that was erupting when they were shooting this film. So that's, that's actually practical, but no, there's, there's a lot of great CGI in this film, the, the Wookiees uh, included. And, you know, it, it, we're, we, I just want to get back to the acting for a minute. It's, it's whenever you see a great scene in these films, you have to really appreciate just how great these actors are because they have literally nothing but yeah. a blue floor <laughs> and each yeah. other. Yeah. I didn't realize until I was looking at the, the film stats that there was, like no no location shoots for any of the like prime stuff. There's locations for like Mount. Uh, you said Mount Edna. Is that what it was called? Those were on location, but like every location they went to, planet wise or city wise, wasn't. Let's go to Italy to shoot it. Let's go. It was all just in the studio. That is yeah. difficult to do as an actor. Sure. Oh, it's incredible. And so you have things that I'm not wild about. Like the battle on Kashyyyk kind of looks like a video game cutscene. We can say it. It's totally a video game cutscene. If you play Star Wars Battlefront 2, it's in there. <laughs> it is a video game cutscene. They put it in the movie to sell the video game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. What, what I have written down as soon as that battle starts is look at all the toys. Look oh, my toys. God. Wait. So much toys, though. And also, the Wookiees are so – I feel like they're fat. Do they look different to you guys? Do they look like a little off? Like even, even the shot with Chewie, I'm like he's bigger than I remember. You know what? I thought that too. It might just be because he's next to Yoda. Could be. Could be. And we usually see him next to actual humans. Yeah. Also, apparently they used a, a new technology in the costumes that actually like ran cold water through them. So they could have been a little bulkier yeah. for that reason. Oh. I don't know. Why are they running cold water through the costumes? Because they're hot. Yeah. It's hot oh. in there, man. You know what it's like. You're a hairy guy. That's true. It's a weird thing to say. It's a weird thing to say. <laughs> For those who can't see, Andrew actually is full head-to-toe fur. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been dealing with it pretty well. I, I'm not, I was a little shocked when I first saw him. But, uh, yeah. He's like a cute version of Alf. <laughs> oh, I liked Alf. He ate cats. I loved Alf. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have another what's the plan question for you guys. Because, you okay. know, I, I bring this up, and Ben, I bring this up with CJ all the time. Like, but what's the plan? Because I love things happening. And I love action, but I need to know what the plan is because a lot of times, especially in these prequels, it doesn't make sense. I'm totally with you on that. So there's an uprising at Kashyyyk, yes? And Yoda is sent to assist the Wookiees in quelling this uprising, correct? 
Well, no, yeah, there's the, the droid army is, is gone to Kashyyyk, and, and it's a system we can't afford to lose. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we got to go to Kashyyyk. Send Yoda. Yeah, I'm following. So the biggest villain right now, the man that can bring down the war, General Grievous. Yes. We get a tip where General Grievous is. Utapau. We send one Jedi. Just one. What's the plan? To split Obi-Wan and Anakin up. Okay. There it is. That's the plan. Don't you seem like they would fortify, since if Grievous is truly there, like, you know, set him up for success, maybe he could do some shit? Yeah, I think Yoda literally has the line that we can end this war swiftly if we take down General Grievous. Yeah, so just send the one guy. Yeah, just one dude. He is the third best, and he takes Commander Cody with him, who we know from the Clone Wars is a badass. I don't know. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, what, what, is, what is the plan, you know, from the Clone Wars animated series that happens after? But to further help you along, like, what's the plan? I think they're like, hopefully Obi-Wan will land on the planet and the leader will meet him when he lands his ship and immediately just spill the beans and say, General Grievous is right here. Fingers crossed that's what happens. And then because movie, it does happen. It kind of does happen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> will of the Force. Yeah. Oh, don't Will of the Force me, CJ. Sorry, had to oh, do it. Will of the screenwriter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking cool is it when General Grievous pulled out his four lightsabers? Come on, did that not make you fucking squeal? It's good. It's good. And, you know, four lightsabers, definitely better than one lightsaber. Definitely better than two lightsabers and a double-bladed lightsaber. Well, actually, no. No, I'm not going to that. Nothing is better than two lightsabers Nothing and a double-bladed lightsaber. Two. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. I don't like the quick, the quick explanation uh, Count Dooku has trained me in your Jedi arts. Like, when did that happen? Well, also, um, I- I'm sorry. We we feel beholden to give me information I may need now. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> you you made me deal with fuck all for three movies. Now you got to give me that piece of information. That's important. Go fuck yourself. I was not here for that. <laughs> um, the it's it's super badass you get this new crazy warrior with new technology and they they boba fett the hell out of them if you know the term i'm talking about i know exactly I what you're talking about i do that was a special award in attack of the clones oh no kidding <laughs> yeah. yeah no it was a, a phantom menace i gave i gave uh, lucas the boba fett award for killing off maul absolutely that's that's what i was referencing and i was like oh did you did because uh attack of the clones that episode hasn't come out yet i haven't listened to it um I, I, did, I was so shocked. I had to check and be like, was Grievous in any other movies? Is this literally his only, his only showing? Yeah. 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 And this is, again, like you say that, Ben, and it just it, it like makes my, my boner for Dave Filoni just grow and grow <laughs> and grow because he gave us, you know, six seasons of General Grievous in the Clone Wars animated series. It's, it's like Dave Filoni took everything that was good about Star Wars and just like made it better and explain so much. And, and Andrew, you know, when you watch the Clone Wars animated series, we said it before, it makes these movies better mm. because it gives you the reason. It gives you the, the backstory. It gives you the journey and the development. It gives you General Grievous. Now it creates a plot hole because going all the way back to the beginning of the movie, Grievous says, ah, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. I'm meeting you for the very first time. And it's like, well, actually, no, like I just, I watched six years of cartoons of you guys <laughs> knowing each other. Uh, but I forgive it because it's so, it's such great television. Do you guys notice that he doesn't cough when he fights? 
adrenaline. Not yeah. not, not a peep. Not a peep. I, uh, I'm from <laughs> Canada, and we, we play hockey here a lot. And uh-huh. I will attest, no matter how sick you are when you're playing hockey, you're, you, you never cough. You're full health. So it's that There's adrenaline. a reason. There's a reason that he's a hockey player is a, a term for someone who just doesn't give a fuck about how hurt they are. So, yeah. All right. I'll take it. Dig I'll it. take it in. I'll, I'll receive it. Um, there is this cringy, cringy moment that goes on too long that I think we should spend maybe 45 seconds marinating on. Let's unpack it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Padme and Anakin looking out the window in mourning. Now you're talking about before Anakin goes and helps Palpatine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that it's actually good filmmaking. Ugh, explain. And I'll tell, I'll tell you why. And feel free to tell me I'm stupid. The blocking of it. Uh-huh. Right? You've got Anakin on one side of the screen, Padme on the other, looking at each other. They stand. They go to the window. Now they're looking at each other in, in real life. Right? Mm-hmm. The next shot you see, Anakin's back is to her. So he has now turned his back on his past life and he's going to take a step into his new dark awful thing so the blocking of it the camera blocking of it is great i, I that being said it is so melodramatic and kind of stops the movie in its tracks ben your thoughts uh that's exactly how i took that scene and my reasoning for it was they should have kept that cringy scene and then cut out all of the scenes with Padme and Anakin talking because that scene just explains all of it and they don't have any bad dialogue to, to hurt us. Oh, okay. So, but right. I totally follow you. Yeah, it's the blocking tells their story and their choices, him turning away. Now let's just cut all their other scenes out and that's good enough, please. <laughs> all right, I have a fun activity for you guys. Watch that scene again, but turn the John Williams score off and play Eternal Flame. It's much better. <laughs> Oh, man. Cindy like, Lauper in Star Wars. Yes. It's not Cindy Lauper. It's not. Eternal no. Flame is Bangles? Yeah. The Bangles. The Bangles. Listen, I, I had 80s iconic Absolutely. Music. But just think about Artists. Padme looking out the window being like, close your eyes. Give me your hand. <laughs> I swear it works. So here's my thing. We're in the back end of this movie. This is the shit for me. So Palpatine whoops those Jedi's asses. The whole Mace Windu sequence is out of control. Side note, Mace Windu said earlier, I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. And I'm like, now? Now? The dark side of the force surrounds Chancellor Palpatine. Today? (laughs) You just popped that in today? You got that, bro? Your, your ability to use the force has returned. Thank God. Oh mm-hmm. my God. That force is so inconsistent, but the sequence is great. And right down to execute order 66. And the music oh. that plays during order oh. 66. Order 66 is out of control. I couldn't deal with it. I thought it was so good. Heartbreaking. Yeah, I wasn't ready for it. I thought it was like, oh, and this is the thing where it just shows a bunch of highlights. No big deal. And then grab some Kleenex was not ready. Oh, no. The younglings. You guys, when he slays the younglings. He slays the younglings, but you know what? Uh, we've been tearing apart the screenwriting, but this is actually justified. Because before he sends in, Palpatine says, go to the Jedi Temple, show no mercy. If you don't, you're not going to be strong enough in the dark side to save Padme. 
No, it's this the the whole act three of this movie is out of control. Like yeah. from from when Palpatine straight up whoops those Jedi Knights asses to the end of the movie. It's really really good. There's a couple of like distracting, cringy things, but like you not know, enough to not, detract not enough, from not the enough. enjoyment. It's really good. And actually, the the payoff of the politics that he's been manipulating for the three movies, the payoff is very very satisfying. How he, oh, makes, how he makes scene, himself the emperor is so that good. scene when he's making himself the emperor while Anakin is like destroying the separatists. Yeah, that mm-hmm. side by side, it's very powerful, very very dramatic, and very Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but let's talk about Padme's reaction. This is not the reaction of a woman that helped set this whole thing in motion. It's kind of a passive reaction. You know, and CJ, you spoke on this a little bit earlier, and I would like to take a minute to elaborate on this because when she's like. So this is how liberty dies, with thunderous applause. Granted, what we're all going through in this country right now, that line felt very poignant and very pointed, and I get it. But, Padme, you were the first to allow Senator Palpatine's manipulation to occur. I need a more significant moment for you to put these pieces together. You did it. You voted for no confidence in Chancellor Valorum. You left Jar Jar in charge. Yeah. And he voted emergency powers to the Chancellor. No, you're absolutely right. I think that, that she just is like a little disappointed by it. She should be consumed yeah. with guilt and anger and sadness. There should be – and you have Natalie fucking Portman. Again, we said it. You have Natalie Portman. Give her something that she can play. Give her all those emotions and say, Natalie, I just need you to be all of those things on camera. Go and watch what happens. Nope. Padme goes to goes to Mustafar, right? And she's got to connect with Anakin. And it's this whole thing. First of all, she only goes to connect with Anakin because Obi-Wan finally put the pieces together about 15 years too late. My God, the dimmest Jedi I've ever seen. They missed it. So he goes and we get this whole like final fight sequence. And the final fight sequence is completely lit. But her, you're breaking my heart. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. Cinema sins on YouTube put it perfectly. He said, why do we hate this line? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a, it's actually a good line. I mean, you, you would think, right. Cause you've got the, the protagonist and his, his lover and, and he's just completely turned to the dark side. That would be something that breaks her heart. But I think that because of the history that we have with these three movies leading up to that moment, they were like, fucking enough. Like, let's just get to Obi-Wan and Anakin to the fight. This is what we've been waiting for since Luke and fucking Obi-Wan in his little hut. Get out of here. Get out of here. Like, force choke her, have her pass out, have her die. I don't care. I just want this battle. And I think that that's why we hate it so much. But I, I don't think it's a terrible line. Fight me on it. Fight me, you guys. I think it's one of the few iconic things to come out of this movie, so that's got to say something. Oh, I don't know if that's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> I, first of all, because that line leads us to what is by far the worst performance by Hayden Christensen ever. He doesn't know mm. how to yell. He doesn't know how to brood. He's got these weird gold contacts or something. I don't know. But thank goodness the fight choreo is amazing. Uh, Yoda and the Emperor, I didn't even touch that. Yoda and the Emperor fighting. The fight choreo in that fight is those two guys. Yeah. So let's give it up for Hayden and Ewan on that one. I mean, that yeah. is not sped up. That, there's no special effects. Like, that is just those two just hitting each other. And it's amazing. And Yoda and, and the Emperor rising out of the Senate floor. 
It's One last such, duel of the fates. Oh, it's such a beautiful sequence. But then you get, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. I was like, what am I watching the drowsy chaperone? From my point of view, what is this dialogue? Or, I've been waiting for a drowsy chaperone reference. This oh whole my god. Series. And then the thing that fucks me up the most, this the Phantom Menace of this trilogy is the higher ground rule that only applies once. Nine movies. Only applies once. Absolutely. And uh, we skipped over a, an anti-higher ground rule earlier in the movie. Obi-Wan kills Grievous from the low ground. In the movie! They refute <laughs> it in the movie. Thank you, Ben. Oh, my God. It fucks me up so bad. You know, it, but it's fine. It happens. He, the, him Watching him get set on fire while he's there and they just leave him to die is such oh. a whole mood. And then we have to go back to the childbirth sequence because we got to really rush to get to A New Hope. And Obi-Wan's pretty clean after that whole fight. He looks pretty good in that childbirth sequence. Yeah, his garb is a little burnty, but uh, other than that, he's in, he's in pretty good shape. Maybe he had a shower on the Tantor Four before he got there. Maybe. Could have. I don't know. But the hair continuity is on point, though. It's much better in this film. <laughs> I want a question for the group. How do we feel about she's lost the will to live? Is that satisfying for us? I think that it's just crap. And, <laughs> and you know what? Here's the thing. You have an amazing, again, with a missed opportunity, yeah. right? You've got Vader there on the table getting fucking robotized, right? He is losing life. He, he's been burnt to death, okay? You've got Padme on the operating table, like giving birth. All you have to do is have the emperor... So use his little midi-chlorian manipulation to soak the life from Padme to give it to Vader. Oh, brilliant. So when Vader comes to, when Vader comes to and he's like, where is Padme? Is she okay? Like, nah, bro. I had to take her life to give to spare yours. How mad yeah. are you? You know, or something like that. Like you've got, you've, it's, it's all right there, but no, for reasons we can't explain, we're losing her. Cause movie. Fuck you. She didn't have to die in childbirth, bro. She could have fucking gone and lived on Alderaan for five years and like died in a fucking rowing accident or something so that Leia would remember her. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Why couldn't Obi-Wan just force heal her? Apparently force healing's a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, only, that only two know how to use. Not even Yoda knew how to use that shit, man. Baby Yoda and Rey. Those are your force healers for uh, the next convention. Oh, my goodness. All right, so how do we feel about one more what's the plan for this movie, and then I'll let it go forever. I get giving Leia to Bail Organa. He's like, we always want a little girl, so this works out. Um, why are we sending Luke to Tatooine with Uncle Owen and Amberu? Uh, Because Obi-Wan needs somewhere where he can hide out and watch this baby. And Wait a second, he's been to Tatooine, and he does not like that place. No one likes Tatooine, man. Yeah. No reason to go there. No reason to go there. Because Two Sons no. makes a really sweet background for finishing shots of a movie. That's why yes. Obi-Wan went there. No, it absolutely does. But, you know, it, it, it goes even, there's so many more problems with it that any dramaturg would be able to pick apart in a second. Who lives on Tatooine? Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt is, is what? He's a crime lord. Who tends to, like, chill with crime lords? Sith. So Obi-Wan says, let's take them where the Sith can never sense them. Well, the Sith are going to go back to Tatooine, bro, because that's where the biggest crime syndicate in the whole damn galaxy is. Yeah. Plan kind of sucks, huh? 
the, the plan sucks. Yeah. What's the plan? It's bad. Yeah. Once again, the Jedi really, really don't stick the landing in the plan. <laughs> yeah, my, my only defense I can think of is if all this has gone down. Obi-Wan's holding two babies. And Yoda just goes, ah, oh, man, I got, I got some business at Dagobah I got to take care of. Uh, you can find a place <laughs> for these babies, right? And Obi-Wan's just like, what? I have – find the nearest kin. I'm just dropping this on any uncle I find. Tatooine, sure, fine. Sure. Give it to that uncle. Let's go. You know, what he, you know what the missed opportunity is? He really should have tied it to the Phantom Menace. And like when he's like, you could have found a place for these babies, right? He should be like, well, not exactly. <laughs> and then we would have finally had something cohesive that connects to the Phantom Menace. Ding, 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 ding. Just fix your trilogy for you. Oh, man. Oh, we should take a break. Yes, absolutely. Let's take a break. You know, Andrew, as much as doing these episodes takes away from my video game time, I do really enjoy talking to you. I enjoy talking to you too, CJ. But you know what's missing? I wish there was a way for us to communicate with our 17 listeners. Oh, what if they were to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Icon or Ycon? That's a fantastic start. And you know what else they should do? They should take a minute to subscribe to us on all of their favorite podcast apps. Well, what are those iconic apps? I mean, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Amazon Music? Do they like bring it to your door? No, they do not. Oh, okay, good. Back to the show. And we're back. And feeling refreshed. All right, Ben, come yeah. through. Spritzy. Come through with the retort. Spritzy? Spritzy. <laughs> I don't even know I'm, what yeah, that just, means. Just drinking my sparkling water here in the morning, talking mm. Star Wars. That's what that means. I like it. All right, so it is the time for our show where we get to, it's my favorite part of the show, honestly, where we get to ephemeral questions. Ephemeral questions with Andrew and CJ with special guest Ben Villano. Oh, wow. It's the coda. It's the back end of the melody that really gets more special every time. I'm glad my name was uh, rhythmically acceptable for the, for oh, the tune. You, you scan so well. It's really good. And I know CJ gave a lot there because what you guys that are listening can't see is that he had to take a sip of water after that. Like he had to, <laughs> he had to lubricate. All right, CJ, what worked for you about this movie? I'll tell you what worked for me. Um, the opera scene, mm. 100% worked for me. And any time that we can learn about the Sith, right, it's, it's a thing that, that he introduced this concept of for the, new, for the prequel trilogy. We knew that Darth Vader and the Emperor were like force users in the original trilogy. We didn't know about the Sith. Mm-hmm. Um, so any, any, any Sith stuff in the prequel trilogy really works for me, but this opera scene where Palpatine is putting his, like the final act of his plan into motion to like get Anakin on his side yeah. figured out that the, the, the acting in the scene, even Hayden, you know, I mean, he, I mean, if that, that you don't really, he could walk into that room and like, look like a great actor opposite Ian McDermott, but that scene in particular because it really sets us up for like what is going to happen in the back end of the movie and that brings me to like what really works is the back end of this movie andrew you know you alluded to it before once anakin becomes darth vader right not the man in the suit but like darth vader everything just takes off and it really like rushes to the end and and regardless of star wars and any like errors that may happen like it the, the back end of this movie is fantastic it starts in the opera scene for me. And then when we get to the end of the movie and we're back in like the original trilogy, like we see fake Tarkin, 
we see the Death Star, we see we're inside the Tantive Four, you know, we're back on Tatooine. And I think that that is actually a really great thing that he does. I think that he, while he doesn't necessarily stick the landing with the movie, he sticks the landing of A New Hope because once the once Revenge of the Sith ends, we are now ready to go and watch A New Hope or Rogue One, depending on, you know, how much time you have. But that's what works for me. I feel that. Ben, how about you? Uh, I totally agree with CJ. What I have is, is much more simple. What worked for me was the comedy. Uh, I, I just love Ewan McGregor pop a little, well, hello there, and um, another happy landing. That's, that's very important. This is... You go into this movie knowing it's going to be deep. It's going to tie everything together. Hopefully, as long as, as long as it's done right, it's it's it. It was four hours the original cut of big stuff, and if you don't have light moments, you're going to get worn out. And so I love that comedy, kept kept me energized. And I also have as a side note, the toys. <laughs> so many good toys. This movie has like thirty years worth of toys that they can slowly release. It's great. It's pretty. Well, I love what you said. I love what you said about the tone, Ben, because yeah, it is, this is, they said a dark movie, like, you know, some of your favorite Jedis and Jedis you've never even seen before get fucking wasted in a matter of minutes. You know, the Jedi order is decimated. So if you don't have Obi-Wan kind of being the, the comic relief, if you will, then you could, it could get, it could get really dragged down. Andrew, what worked for you? So what worked for me, it's largely the similar to what you we're saying, CJ, it's act three is just so tight and so well plotted. It feels like it was planned in advance. Um, it, it, act three of this movie lacks a flailing that is prevalent in the first two films of this trilogy. Phantom Menace almost does not connect to this story at all. Revenge of the Sith <laughs> is very much a sequel to Attack of the Clones, but Attack of the Clones, we talked about this last time, the clones don't actually attack. No. Uh, the Jedi Order is quite silly to not know that an entire army was commissioned behind their back. They're actually the worst protectors of the universe ever. So this one, this last act, all of a sudden, <laughs> we're seeing a movie that we wanted to see the whole time. That's right. And so it just really, really pops off from um, Mace Windu's fight on. It's really, really good. And I got to agree with you, Ben. I like the comedy aspect of it. I think the comedy fits in better here than in the other ones. The comedy in Attack of the Clones is atrocious. And they give all the comedic beats of Phantom Menace to that poor kid. And he... Oh, my gosh. I I came out of this episode having listened to um, your episode one cast uh, previously and exactly that they tried for so much comedy in episode one but it missed and so it's so good to, to actually get a laugh in a star wars movie yeah this one has a good balance of it and it's really it's it's a really really tight act three and it looks really really beautiful throughout so like oh I would it's say stunningly the, beautiful the way the they sky get, work that they uh, do uh, i looked at the the timestamp when order 66 happens and it's at about the midpoint of the movie just after so that means you get a lot of really good movie in your second half. Yeah. Where I think, I think you talked in Jedi that it a similar style, end of a trilogy, got to sum it all up. You don't get your final act starting until the last like 45 minutes. And that's then true. really squished. It's true. Yeah, that's great. I didn't realize that. Maybe that's why I have such a healthy response to this film because largely more than 50% of it is really solid. Which is what a low bar we've set for ourselves. Guys. I know. I know. 
What a low bar. In the spirit of low bars, what did not work for you, Ben? What I have that didn't work for me is it, it's going counter to what you guys kind of said. It was the visuals. Really? Oh, and interesting. And you, you guys half convinced me while, while talking to you about this, but I'm going to stick to my guns. Um, no, because there's no sets. And uh, do you know that every stormtrooper in this movie is CGI? There wasn't a single stormtrooper costume made for this movie. Famous clones, yeah. yeah. Nah. Um, it leads to a lot of scenes I get pulled out of because they'll put an insert of Anakin hopping out of his spaceship and running into the Jedi Temple. And it looks like, uh, it looks obviously green screened. And that's what I didn't like about it. You guys brought me back from the brink, though, because I was doing <laughs> I was doing that bad Star Wars fan thing of pointing out the bad. There was so much good visuals in this movie, um, so it's it's still my thing. What didn't work? There was too many times when they threw. Let's just Anakin walk across in front of the Jedi Temple. We'll green screen it. It'll be fine, and it wasn't fine. It it, it pulled me out. I did miss the actual set design that we had in the original trilogy because you, you saw some actually very neat sets for them to play on and they kind of denied the actors that in favor of surrounding them with so many digitally created things. I did notice that. It is striking. For every really wonderful visual he creates, there is an actor that's by themselves in a blue soundstage doing nothing mm-hmm. and it's weird. Sure. Sure. C- CJ, what didn't work for you? You know... I- I led with, I really like this movie. I remember I was doing a production of the Caucasian chalk circle and we had a tech rehearsal. And as you know, tech rehearsals go from when 12 to 12. This is, this is back in the old days, kids. Yeah. When we when went we from 12 theater. to 12, none of this 12 to 1130 bullshit. Okay. We had a full two hour dinner break to waste time and get tired. But I knew that attack that revenge of the Sith was coming out midnight show. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm like, I got to figure out a way to get out of this rehearsal and get it done so I can get to this film. Okay. So like I I got notes that night. I couldn't have listened to them because I was getting to the theater. Loved the movie. Then I've watched it so many times. I've watched that opera scene so many times. Uh, You know, it, there's very, very little that doesn't work for me as a movie. The two things that I really hate in this film are Padme losing the will to live. I hate it. I hate it. God, it sucks. It just sucks. And no. Yeah, the man. No. The no is it bad. It almost ruins the, all the work that you've done. <laughs> and it's James Earl Jones. Like, what happened? <laughs> it is bad. What happened? How, you, he's the greatest of all time. He's one of the greatest actors in the history of the world. That's what you got from him? Or like that's what you put in? And you and somebody looked at that and was like, oh, boys, that's fucking great. Yeah, cut that. Like, write that down i hate it because it should be a moment where we watched we've just watched this person that we met when they were nine go through all of these things and now he's in a suit he's lost everything and the reason he was doing it was for his wife and now she's gone too and the reaction that comes out of it is that (laughs) doesn't work it's a big flop what about you what about you guys what didn't work for you so honestly, for me, the Jedi Force sensitivity, mm. I don't understand it anymore. That's the thing. In, in a trilogy that's designed to teach me more information and teach me about this great civilized world that I never knew uh, and the all-powerful Jedi Knights that, you know, you 
dreamed about what they are and how they factor in uh that connection to the force is booty largely like <laughs> it's just it's not it's not effective or efficient so i I've, I've spoken on this several times and like we need to go through all the details to plead my case but i'll just tell you this one thing so there's that weird like dosey doe that palpatine and anakin do and he's like you're the sith lord we've been looking for fucking newsflash anakin welcome to the party <laughs> Right? So, first of all, Anakin, who is so strong in the Force, couldn't pick that up from Palpatine. Okay, so the Force clouds, are, the dark side clouds are connected dark to the Force. Dark side clouds, yes. Sure, sure, right? So he knows this information, and he still hasn't committed, right? He's still going to wiffle waffle, so he's going to rat him out to Mace Windu. And he says, <laughs> Mace Windu, Palpatine is the Sith that we've been looking for. And Mace Windu goes, are you sure? I'm like, you can't fucking feel that? You can't not only does, feel that? Not only does he go, are you sure, Andrew? He says, a Sith Lord? <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up that exact line because I have that written down in my like, oh my gosh notes is the answer when someone says we found the Sith Lord at this whole war, so many deaths, and you go, are you sure, Anakin? Horrible. The Jedi are the worst. So, And this is why... I applaud Ryan Johnson's take. And we'll get back to this later. We'll table this right now. But he actually has Luke say, at the peak of their power, they allowed an entire infiltration to overtake them. Yeah. It's time for the Jedi to go. They didn't nail it. So that's why it connects to that movie, coming back to this trilogy and seeing that shit. and be like, they, they biffed the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. as powerful as they were. Also, I think it's like when you get a job and you don't really know what you're supposed to be doing, I'm still not clear what a Jedi's job is. They're like kind of part of the politics. They're kind of a religion. They're kind of like a soul cycle class. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's somewhere between Church of Scientology and like actual church. I don't know what they do. Young children just suddenly end up at their temple. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, they get stolen from their family. Like Qui-Gon, yeah. like Qui-Gon did. Yeah, and also like we got to get them there when they're young because we just want to make sure that they have, you know, the, the proper training and, and make sure that they're, you know, educated in all the ways of the Force. But if your last name is Skywalker, like a weekend at Yoda's and you're good. You're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> weekend at Yoda's, absolutely. <laughs> um, another way to summarize your, because I, I totally agree with you, uh, Andrew, um, the, with the like Jedi week, why didn't you guys see it coming? Your chosen one, like oh, the whole point of the prequel trilogy, brings balance to the Force. And none of them were like, well, the Force is a little overbalanced to the light side right now. I wonder what balance is going to bring. They were all just like, yes, that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah balance. Yeah. Yeah. What does Yoda say? Misread that prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> Misread that prophecy may have been. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look who just doesn't caught even, up. Doesn't yeah. even own it. He's like, maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Don't know. Get back uh, to up. CJ, does this film make your desert on top five? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, it doesn't. And 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 because we've got we've got a new hope. We've got Empire. We've got Clerks Two. I (laughs) fucking love Clerks Two. It's so good. Um, I I just know that as much as I love this film, and I do, I really do. When I get to when I get to Padme's death and the no, 
it, I, yeah, it keeps it off of it keeps it off of my island. Mm-hmm. You know, Ben, your island is empty right now, as far as our seventeen listeners are concerned. So you've got you've got five spots on your desert island. Would this film make your desert island top five? Well, but going into this, I didn't realize I had I had five spots left to fill. Um, yeah, you've got five currently. And what's even crazier is of these five spots, all the movies you guys have already watched, I, I don't get to choose from those. I only get to choose from here onwards. Yeah. But um, it does not make my Desert Island top five. Any particular reason? When I, wanna, when I watch a movie, I want to see good character motivations and I want to come out of it feeling like I've seen a, uh, someone pointing out the, the human uh, experience and I come out of this movie just feeling like someone closed the book and said, I hope that was good enough. And that's not something you want to be watching on repeat. Solid take. Yeah. It doesn't make my desert on top five either. Uh, for all of the reasons put forth and mainly for the reason that it kind of exists as itself as an Island, like this movie, mm. the last half of it is really, really good. And it's what we have to show for ourselves for the prequel trilogy. Yeah. And so I can't, I can't support that message because it's like, I feel like he started really thinking about what we might want to see really, really way too late. Cause what, way too late. Yeah, because mm-hmm. what we wanted to see was this turn and what I would have loved to see was two movies that led me to this turn. What I saw was one movie that exists 10 years before this turn starts and then a weird Blade Runner with, lights, <laughs> with lightsabers. <laughs> And a 50s American-style diner. And a 50s American-style diner um, and a title that doesn't actually pay off in the movie. You know, that's like Attack of the Clones and there's no attack. That's like Sharknado without sharks or a tornado. It's like you didn't do either of those things. At least yeah, you had the clones, it. but nobody – I don't know. So, like, I, because of what this movie is as a culminating thing of a trilogy, it doesn't make my design because it doesn't culminate a trilogy. It's really right. just a cool 50 minutes of movie. Yeah. Revenge of the Sith, a Star Wars story. Basically, possible foreseeable plot holes. Ben, go. Oh, wow. Put me on the spot. Go. Um, Let's have it. Okay. The one that just came to my mind is R2-D2 knows everything. (laughs) Wait, accurate. (laughs) He knows everything. You could go uh, um, A New Hope. R2-D2 lands on the planet. He's like, oh, hello, Master Skywalker. R2-D2 goes, oh, hey, Darth Vader's your dad. Blaze's your sister. Let's do this. uh, The Civil War. Credits. Yeah, he could end this whole movie. I never thought of that, actually. That's great. CJ, how about you? Well, my, my biggest plot hole for this is um, Revenge of the Sith happens in, like, let's say Revenge of the Sith ends in 1960. Mm-hmm. And the next time we see Obi-Wan Kenobi, it's 1980. Um, no, he doesn't age that much between the end of this movie and the beginning of the next one. Like, I don't care how upset he is that he cut his friend's arms and legs off. I don't care how like fucking sand worn he is from living in that little hut. You do not age 60 years in 20. It's a huge problem. You started right. Like they started correct. Ewan McGregor was the correct age. Yeah. And then in the next movie, he was like a little older. And in this movie, he almost looked a little younger than he did in Attack of the Clones. Huge, huge continuity missteps that they've been making with Obi-Wan from the beginning. We talked about his hair and his oh, beard yeah. in the first film. Like somebody needs to get on that set and say, hey, guys, 
this is like the like third most famous character in your fucking story. Like, let's try to just spend a little more time on him. I feel that. Yeah. Do you have a plot hole for us, Andrew? I do. So let's say this is my thesis. I'm walking into the Phantom Menace understanding that Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker may have possibly been the best Jedi that ever walked the earth. The chosen one and the last hope. Yeah. Right? Yep. That it's that is a, a mucho lucho. That battle was written in the stars. It is a thing. We have been waiting for it. It's actually Luke that brings balance to the force until we meet Palpatine's granddaughter, but whatever. Mm. So let's say if we're operating from this trilogy, if we're operating within this trilogy from a point that those are the two best Jedi I've ever seen, uh, I already talked about it in Attack of the Clones. They can kind of fly in these movies. Like their agility is out of control. Count Dooku does this weird like flip over the railing like who did he do that for for us because movie like it's so weird (laughs) it's so weird the acrobatics and i get it it looks cool and i get it we're like hearkening back to this was at the jedi at their peak this is what they could do but i thought that the most powerful force users were darth vader and luke skywalker so like why didn't they have acrobatics like that Mm. And Luke did throw a couple of flips on Dagobah. We saw him do it, right? So we see that there's like that potential there, but is like I don't understand because if this is all about force usage, did the force get arthritis? Like Yeah, what, I mean like, what you're what you're saying is that they had the technology to make those people fly around and maybe they shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. Like his his one of his biggest inspirations for this whole fucking thing was Akira Kurosawa, right? Like, you know, in, in, in this movie, like a great Easter egg is when, when uh, you, you talked about misread this prophecy might have been and Yoda like brushes his hair. Like that's a direct callback to Seven Samurai. Anyway, Akira, Akira, Akira I'm not going to try to say it. That guy didn't have all of those special effects and he still made brilliant warrior movies. Yeah. So I'm with you, man. I'm with you. It was unnecessary. They didn't need to have that like superhuman strength that, you know, you could have like toned it down just a little bit. To make it all line up. Just a little bit. It was the Dooku flip. Like I, <laughs> The Dooku flip, I was like, I'm gone. Yeah, they need to call the meeting and say, we have the technology now. These are the Jedi at their peak. What should they be able to do? And maybe they did have that meeting and someone was like, I think flips are really cool. And then they just right. signed off on it. But there was, there was a better way to do it and not yeah. Dooku doing this flip with no knee bend, just like over that railing drops 12. Meters. Yeah. They should have watched. They should have watched the first three before they made the next three. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh, all right. It's my favorite time. Special award time. Ben, what's your special award? Um, I, I, I'm struggling with what to call it. So I'm just going to call it the, the chosen one award. Okay. Here we go. Else. Elaborate. Let's go. Love uh, it. The chosen was brought to bring balance to the force. And this movie <laughs> brings balance to the series because you have had Episode one, which bombed so bad, lowest ranked. <laughs> Episode two just got off the rails and made bad choices. And if this movie had bombed, there would have been no more Star Wars. They would have said, oh. you messed oh. up. You're putting it in the, in the vaults. And the, the, this movie brought balance back to the series by just being good enough. Wow. And what someone a... was like, yeah, we can, we'll, we'll sit on it for another decade and then we'll make three more movies. Uh, it brought balance back to the, to the um, universe, to the... Uh, brand 
to the brand. To I the love brand, that. if you will. Yeah, it's a great special award. Nice. Lo- CJ, what's your special award? Well, I think that we can all agree whether or not we actually do. But for the sake of my special award, I think we can all agree that one of the greatest scenes in Pulp Fiction is the wristwatch in the anus move in the anus scene. So the special award for Star Wars Episode Three is the Christopher Walken Award, and it goes to Ian McDermott for stealing the fucking trilogy. He really he did. He stole the movie. He stole the trilogy. This is supposed to be Darth Vader, a Star Wars story, and I remember it as the Emperor's trilogy. I love that. It's true. He really does steal the movie. He's really spectacular. So good. Great um, award. So good. Can we talk about uh, his whole work when he's force lightning Mace Windu's lightsaber and it's like destroying his face? And he's like, no! Like, yeah, like- I, think we, I, I think we have the clip. Can we roll the clip? Wait. Absolutely. I'm too weak. Oh, don't kill me, please. <laughs> it's so good. All of a sudden he's frail old man. So it's good. good. He re- he really kills. He really does a great job. Uh, my special award, Andrew. What is your special award? I would love to know. Um, my special award is the Hair Goals Award. <laughs> Here we because go. Listen, we've we've got a strong hair showing, and I see your face, CJ. I can't see Ben's face, but I imagine he's making the same one. I feel like we're all prepared for me to talk about Padme. And Padme is a, is a recipient of the Hair Goals Award, absolutely, because the- Uh-oh, curveball. The, oh, yeah. the hair is out of control. I'm really talking about Anakin with this, mm. with this juicy season one of Friends, Courtney Cox mullet he's wearing. Yeah. That, that thing always looks fresh. It always looks very well moisturized. It, it's, he's absolutely wearing space depth. You know, it is a it is a very sticky, juicy gel he's wearing, but yeah. it looks great until the and moment. And it makes it, and it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it really does make sense to have him have this gelled, tousled nonsense. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. If you yeah. watch the making, if you watch the making of this movie, they spend like a good fifty minutes on his hair and the no what it was going to be and had, and what he wanted and. They didn't want to let George see one thing because he would pick it. No, Hay- Hayden like Hayden planned this, man. Like he, he had thoughts and he had goals. And, and in a way, it really describes his character journey. It's it's a bit confused. It's it's fast and loose. <laughs> and then by the end, it gets burned away, and there was just new scalp underneath, which is the new <laughs> Vader. Oh my yeah, god! Black and shiny. Ben, Ben, why couldn't you write my papers in college? Like you, <laughs> you could fucking justify anything, and I love it. Yeah, it's true. His hair's a metaphor. That's exactly what I meant to say. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. Uh, all right, Ben, is this film an icon or a Y-Con? Oh, do I just, do I just fire that out or do I have to explain myself? Uh, yeah, either way, go for it. Um, it, is a, it is a Y-Con. Mm-hmm. <gasps> explain. My quick explanation is, in the previous movies that have got Icon Awards from you guys, it's because there's iconic things. There's stuff that goes into the public culture. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anything from this movie went into the public culture besides you're breaking my heart, Anakin. 
Um, and so that knocks it that knocks it out of the reason of, of being an icon. There's not enough iconic in it. That's fascinating. I fucking very love fascinating. That. Yeah. Good take. Good take. Thanks. I was, I was sweating bullets. I put a lot of work oh, into that answer. That's a good you one. Did good. No, you did that's good. That, that's good. Uh, CJ. Icon or Y-Con? Yeah, it's it's tough because I love the movie. I really, really do. And I think that if there were two stronger movies before this movie, mm. I would call this movie an icon. But that fucking Vader, no. It's it, bad. It's bad, Andrew and Ben. Ben and Andrew. So I, I think that because it didn't stick the landing as in the way that it should have with the whole sequel trilogy. No, 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 no. You know, you know, you know what? This movie's an icon. It's an ah! icon. It's an icon. <laughs> and, and because it is the best one. And like you said, Ben, it brings balance to the series. If this thing didn't exist, Star Wars wouldn't either anymore. We wouldn't have the Mandalorian, which I'm so excited streaming on Disney plus starting October 30th. Like this movie saved the franchise. It's a big kick save and a beauty to go back to our hockey roots. It's got <laughs> enough. It's got enough for me because the way that it ends, the way that it that gets us to Rogue One, the General Grievous, we got a coughing robot. Like there's enough in here that sets up the Clone Wars animated series. It's an icon. And, and um, it's one to one. It's one icon, one Y-con. And that leaves it up to you, Andrew, to break the tie. All right. Side story. Okay, I needed to breathe. Have you guys heard about the genesis of Terminator? I mean, sure. James Cameron said once that the first thing he had in his mind was the endoskeleton walking through the fire. And that that image just really struck him. And so he wrote a movie to get to that image. I think seeing Darth Vader's helmet get screwed on and the palette rising up and him taking that first breath, I think George Lucas wrote to get us up to that point. And yes. because of that... I can agree with that. Because mm-hmm. of that, there's a lot of energy surrounding the moments before that sequence. And apart from the no, there's a lot of energy after that that's very relevant to the franchise. And also, it is so fucking satisfying to see that helmet come on and hear that breath and see that thing rise up and him just standing there. And then he breaks his chains. That whole thing is so satisfying. And because of that alone, because I can tell that George had that moment in his head when he filmed A New Hope. He knew that there was something dramatic about the genesis of Darth Vader that made him who he was. That's why you have the scene of the helmet coming down in uh, Empire Strikes Back. That's why he removes the helmet in Return of the Jedi. There was always something operatic and dramatic about Anakin turning into that monster, not just being dubbed Darth Vader. So because Mm. of that, I give the film icon status only because he paid off on an image that I really feel confident was in his head for about 30 years. From the original Macquarie sketch to is Padme okay? Yeah. With all of this love story that went across three movies, the most romantic filmmaking you see is the way the camera lingers on that mask getting attached to his head. That's the love. That's the love. And for that alone. Yeah. 
that's a wonderful explanation. I, I, I very much agree with you. I think I've been so blase to that movie as a, I've, I've watched Star Wars since I was three years old that I forget. <laughs> that is a very iconic scene. That's what, that's a, that's the biggest romantic love letter of, of George to Dark right there. It's the first time you see actual love in the trilogy. I said it. Mm. I feel no chemistry. I feel no sparks between um, Anakin and his, who was for a movie and a half, his maternal figure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just unpack that for a minute. That's Are a you whole... trying to seduce me? <laughs> it's so weird. But yeah, no. And, and just seeing it last night, I was like, it's so shiny. It looks, it's very, it's very romantic. It's almost sexual the way he, the way he does it. It's very, yeah. it's very beautifully shot. So yeah. that is why it gets an icon for me. Love it. Well, we've reached the end of the prequel trilogy. Hey, at last! What a journey. We are are on the other side of it now. Damn, son. I can't believe we made it. I think that's incredible. Ben, thank you so much for coming and joining us. This was super fun. This was amazing. I'm so happy I got to be part of this great podcast that I've been listening to every episode. Ben is one of our 17 listeners, and now he is one of our four hosts yeah there have only been four people yeah ben this this was really awesome i love it i you know what i love i love that you encouraged me to look at this film in a different way i think that's so positive thank you thank you so much um we star wars fans have been have been bad to the series and we need to we need to do things like this, discuss what's great about movie, about, about these movies and bring it back into the positive light. Ah, amazing. All right. Well, this has been Icon or Icon. I'm Andrew David Sotomayor. I'm CJ LaRoche. That was Ben Billado, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Hey! Next time.